Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would speak your word to us, that we would truly hear your word, and it would bear fruit in our lives, all to your honor and glory. As we pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Now, did you know that about 40% of the material in the gospel accounts, the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those four books in the Bible, roughly 40% of what they wrote took place, uh, was about events that took place in the single week between Palm Sunday and Easter, between the triumphal entry and the resurrection. Almost half of what they wrote for us took place in Jesus' life in that one week, what we call Holy Week. Clearly, that week is the focus. 33 years of Jesus' life uh, that they could write about, but almost half of it focused on that one week. And so, there is clearly too much for us to cover in Holy Week itself when we get to that week. And so we're beginning today a special Lent sermon series. And throughout Lent, we're going to be looking at the events that took place during that special week. And so we're sort of going to take Holy Week and spread it out over all of Lent so that when we get to Holy Week, which comes this year at the end of March, when we get there between Palm Sunday and Easter, we're going to be more ready to enter in, but because we've been thinking about and studying these events throughout the whole season of Lent. And so in this series, we will be walking with Jesus through Holy Week, looking at events in that week in his life and ministry, leading to the cross and resurrection. And today, we begin that journey with him. Now, I will tell you, I had personally, I had a bit of a chuckle this week when we were planning today's services Because, as you can imagine, we think through various details and we try to incorporate different things and we try to get things like the songs, the music, to sort of go with the themes of the readings and and such. And so sometimes when we do that, there's a, shall we say, a more obvious connection between the music and the theme from the reading because the fact is that there are certain passages of the Bible that have tons and tons of songs and hymns written about them and others... Well, do not. And so I chuckled this week trying, uh, thinking about trying to find a song that goes really well with cursing the fig tree. Well, I will have you know I found one. We're not going to be singing it today, but I found one. One. John Newton, the man who wrote the hymn Amazing Grace, wrote a hymn in the late 1700s titled One Awful Word Which Jesus Spoke or its alternate title, which I prefer, The Blasted Fig Tree. I'll be honest, I don't think I could sing this with a straight face, but it begins like this. One awful word which Jesus spoke against the tree which bore no fruit, more piercing than the lightning stroke, blasted and dried it to the root. But could a tree the Lord offend to make him show his anger thus? He surely had a further end to be a warning word to us. Now, while we will not be singing about the fig tree that was blasted by Jesus for not bearing fruit, we are going to look at this rather odd passage that takes place as Jesus enters into uh, Jerusalem for Holy Week. So if you would, turn with me, turn back in your bulletins to Mark chapter 11. 
which was read just a few minutes ago. And we're going to be using, throughout this series, we're going to be using Mark's gospel because uh, the way our lectionary is set up is Matthew, Mark, and Luke each get a year where you do a lot of readings from those. Um, And this is a Mark year, so we're going to be using Mark's gospel as we do our series. So Jesus has just come into Jerusalem on the donkey. That's Palm Sunday. That's the beginning of Holy Week. He's just done that. And now verse 12 Jesus was hungry and sees a way off a fig tree. So he goes up to the fig tree to see if it has any figs on it that he can pick and eat. And when he discovers that there are no figs, even though we're told it's not even the right season for there to be figs, and Jesus would have known that perfectly well, but when he finds that there is no fruit, he says to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And the next day, the disciples discover that the tree is withered down to its roots. It's totally dead. Perhaps that's not the most forgiving and kind response to a tree that was just being a tree. But I've heard from more than one person this week that they don't like this passage. As one person said to me, that doesn't feel like my Jesus. Or as one writer put it, uh, what Jesus did to the fig tree was, quote, a gross injustice on a tree which was guilty of no wrong and had but performed its natural function. So whether you say it more colloquially, that doesn't sound like my Jesus, or more scholarly, guilty of no wrong and had performed its natural function, we get that this feels different or strange or out of character for Jesus. Even Matthew, in his own account of the same event, He actually skips the part about it wasn't the season for figs. He leaves that part out completely. He's making a different point, but he leaves that out completely. But the time of Lent that we're in is not about making us comfortable, and Jesus does not always fit our nice pictures of him. The simple fact is you don't get nailed to a Roman cross by being little Jesus, meek and mild. You get nailed to a cross because you made people mad and scared. And as Jesus enters into Holy Week, he says and does things that are uncomfortable to us and uncomfortable to the people then who heard him. And so he comes to a fig tree knowing full well that it's not even the right time to find fruit on it. And when he finds nothing on it, he curses it and it withers and dies. Now in the Old Testament... There are a few places where God compares the people of Israel, his people, his called people, he compares them to a tree that does not bear fruit. Listen to this from Jeremiah 8.13 and see if this sounds familiar with what we read in Mark today. When I would gather them, declares the Lord, there are no grapes on the vine nor figs on the fig tree. God says that when I come to my people, they were unfruitful. They weren't ready. And Jesus vividly displays what God said long ago, that God's people were unfruitful, not doing what God called them to do. And when he comes, he finds them unprepared. And the very next scene in the gospel, the part that was sort of skipped in our reading today, uh, the very next scene, you'll notice our reading sort of was chopped in the middle, the part that we didn't read today is actually about Jesus going into the temple and driving out people who were buying and selling there. 
Even the temple itself, the place for worship and prayer, had become unfruitful. And when God comes, when Jesus comes into his temple, his people are not ready. And there is judgment on God's people when we are not fruitful or ready or prayerful. God is not infinitely patient with us. So as one writer puts it, time can run out for fruitless trees and prayerless temples. Time will run out for us if we are not faithful and prayerful. The tree actually looked pretty good from a distance, but on close inspection it was seen to be fruitless. The temple was beautiful and bustling, but up close it was unfruitful because of a lack of prayer and worship. And so the withered fig tree that experienced the power of Jesus' rebuke and judgment is about us, God's people. And it shows vividly that if we are not obedient and fruitful and prayerful, then we are running out of time to repent and turn back to the Lord. So for us, here in Loganville, Georgia in 2021... Pay attention to how Jesus wraps up this whole scene at the end. After the object lesson of the withered tree and driving people out of the temple, he points his disciples, points us, to two things. Faith and prayer. So verse 22 says, quite simply, have faith in God. The withered fig tree represents people who outwardly appear to be a part of God's people, but inwardly are not. We may look good on the outside. We may come to church every week, rain or shine. We may watch online during a pandemic without missing a Sunday. But if our hearts are far from Jesus, if we do not have true faith in him, if our lives are not bearing fruit for his kingdom, if we do not truly follow him in how we live, then the withered fig tree reminds us that we truly must put our faith in God or receive his judgment. Have faith in God. Don't just do the actions. Don't just come to church, but truly pursue Jesus and have faith in him and not in ourselves. Have faith in God. And pray. The worshipers in the temple were rebuked for not being people of prayer. And Jesus then concludes this whole scene in verses 24 and 25 talking about prayer. You and I will be fruitless trees without prayer. Without developing the habits of deep and regular and consistent prayer and communion with Jesus, we will be fruitless in God's kingdom. You can look good to me without prayer. You can fool me. Maybe I can fool you. But we cannot bear fruit and be ready for God's coming to us unless we truly are people of prayer. And so to that end, especially in this season of Lent, I want to encourage you to, quite simply, pray more. Set aside specific time and pray alone with God. Pray straight from your heart what kind of comes out of your heart. Pray prayers that other people have written for you. Use our prayer book for morning or evening prayer. Come to church during the day. We're open. Come, into, come to the church and pray here. Sometimes specifically praying in a, in a special place can be helpful. 
Come on Tuesdays at 5 p.m. as we gather together for evening prayer service uh, each Tuesday during Lent. In this season of Lent, I encourage you to devote yourself more and more to prayer. You see, the fig tree represents God's people, us. This is what the wrath of God poured out on us looks like, withered to the roots. But it doesn't have to be that way. You see, there, there's another cursed tree in Holy Week, a tree where we see the wrath of God poured out. But not on us, the fig tree, but on the one hung on the tree, crucified for us. While the fig tree reminds us that we will run out of time and we need to turn to Jesus and follow him, but especially this event happening just four days before Jesus is crucified, we also see in it a reminder of the immense love of God for us in Jesus dying on that other tree for us. Receiving the wrath of God poured out on himself instead of on us. And when we have faith in God, when we come to him in faith and trust and prayer and worship, we come under that second tree, the cross of Jesus, who takes the curse upon himself and off of us. So Holy Week begins and ends with a cursed tree. One reminds us that God's wrath comes upon his people who turn away from him and are fruitless and prayerless. And the second takes God's wrath that we deserve off of us and onto Jesus, the innocent one, God incarnate, who received the curse for us. So yes, time will run out for fruitless trees and prayerless temples. And let the warning... Let that warning push you again and again to that second tree, to that tree where Jesus bore the curse for you. Because in him we are set free, free from the curse, free from sin, and free from death. So yes, the fig tree was cursed, but it reminds us that a second tree came where God himself bore the curse for us. So as Jesus says, let us be fruitful and prayerful. Let us be a people who have a deep and abiding faith in God. And may we truly be a house of prayer for all nations. Amen.